Hi, in Therapy Podcast Lovers. Before we start with a new episode, I want to tell you about a very important podcast series joining our stable soon at Kaya. It's called Umoya on African Spirituality, and it's hosted by Atambile Masola and Milisutando Pongela. Here's Atambile explaining what it's all about. The whole concept of the show is about reigniting and understanding African spirituality in the 21st century. We seek to walk this journey with young and elderly people alike, where we become a nexus whereby Singabandu, we can inquire together. Look out for the launch episode of Umoya on Thursday, the 21st of February on kayafm.co.za. I was like, yo, therapy is dope. I should have been in therapy this whole time. Oh, my God. This is In Therapy. Conversations and stories about the pursuit of mental health. I'm your host, Nabagazimanzi. Atinangam Songopo and Zoe Mann met on Tinder in June 2017. They went out on a couple of dates and became an item within a few weeks. They still remember the excitement of the beginning of their relationship. And for Ati at times, there was a bit of uncertainty. Those first few weeks were really thrilling. I went from being really excited to getting to date this person and also being like, I don't think this person wants to date me, so... Admittedly, at some stage in those first couple of weeks, I tried to ghost her, but she had a really good comeback, which was tickets to a music show, and I couldn't pass that by. So I thought I'd try again. So it was a lot for the first you know, couple of weeks. Lots of ups and potential stalemates. It was tricky. Zoe, did you know you were being ghosted? <laughs> Nope. I just, I didn't even know ghosting was a thing. I was just like, hey, let's hang out again. Um, it's so funny to hear that, though, because I think my experience of the first few weeks was just really, really good. I was just playing, and it was exciting, and I didn't really think too much of the the bigger picture and the bigger, even though the bigger picture was quite complicated because I wasn't even living long-term in Johannesburg. I was going traveling at the end of the year. But everything suspended for me in those first few weeks. It was just us. So I didn't know you were going through so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this could turn out really awkward. (laughs) (laughs) At the time that the pair met... Ati was and still is an academic activist, fighting against oppressive systems, including white supremacy. That and the fact of their different racial identities, with Zoe on the one hand being a white woman raised in a British society, and Ati, a black woman born into a highly racialized country like South Africa, was of interest to me. I wanted to know the extent to which that affected them as individuals. For me, it really wasn't. It was never a thing. Um, I think it's become more of a thing in the sense of I've become more cognizant of how important racial identity is. Yeah, I've had to get on board with that. But at at first, not at all. I mean, in in the UK, there's this whole thing of kind of being 
raised and trained to be colorblind. So you kind of almost um, don't make it a thing because making a thing is is racist. Is um, so you kind of push push it down or, or don't notice it so much. I can't even remember thinking anything about it until later on when we were dating and it was clear that racial identity and particularly Ati who works and a lot of her work and stuff is in that field, it it was a thing and it was an issue. For me, it was the opposite. The first thing that I noticed <laughs> on Zoe's Tinder profile was that she was white. And then came the talk about nature and hiking and camping and, you know, it became really clear to me that she's, she's right. Um, and yeah, it was a thing. It didn't take away from my experience of being really attracted to her and being gripped and captured by a connection that I immediately sent upon our meeting. So I thought about it from the onset and I think it influenced the way I thought about everything else. Were you conflicted? Yeah, I was very conflicted because, like Zoe has said, um, my whole like world in terms of work, activism, and all the things I'm passionate about is saturated in a very raced um, understanding of the world. And it's something that's always on my mind and even in the dates, even in like being in public spaces together, it's something I'm always thinking about. I'm always experiencing in terms of the way that other people around us interact and the way that I have to interact with my own, I guess, community. It's more than just a, you know, a romantic, intimate thing. It's also a very public and political thing, which was definitely a source of conflict for me thinking about the relationship, especially in the more difficult times within the relationship, you know. Um, It's been tough at times to be confronted with myself and my identity and how, as I said, that race has constructed a lot of my worldview and yeah, it's been amazing to really start understanding it more. I never identified with my race um, as part of my identity, and I never saw other people as identified by their race, which I think is wrong. I think it's very wrong. And yeah, I mean, as I say, it's been tough. I mean, I think being confronted with yourself, ident- identifying myself as a racist and you know, understanding the white supremacist structures that I just fed into all my life has been shaped my world but it's also amazing. What has been the toughest bit about it? Mm, I think it's, it's having my behavior looked at through the lens of race all the time. So it felt that it often feels that I, I do something that is not okay. Um, and being, being told or being, yeah, trying to understand that from a kind of, racial perspective rather than individual. I think that's been toughest for me is like removing myself from an individual to actually that I'm part of this collective structural narrative. Um, And that's in the heat of an argument, 
and you're trying to make a point, I'm trying to make a point from an individual perspective and I'm being um, countered by sort of this structural narrative has been really tough. In spite of these challenges, Zoe and Ati continued dating and at some point traveled together in Latin America, visiting a range of countries. And that experience tested the relationship in different ways. It was different traveling with a partner. I'd never done that before. I'd always traveled essentially alone. I mean, we only traveled together really for two months, but you're seeing every aspect of each other, the ups and the downs. And and we argued a lot to begin with, but I think it actually was exactly the trip that I needed to understand myself better. And it just, it was, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing trip. What was it like for you, Ati? Oh, man, it was terrifying. It felt like, you know, throwing caution to the wind, jumping off a cliff and hoping that I could survive on this feeling and this connection that I had, which I didn't want to let go of. So it was terrifying to take the leap. But I took it because I was also very excited about the prospect of what lay ahead. Um, And like Zoe is saying, at the beginning of the trip, things were awesome, but they were also really difficult. We had to make every single decision together. We had to see each other all the time, see everything about each other, you know, in this new place where we only knew each other. And we're learning a new language together. It was it was a lot of challenging moment to moment issues. But it was also you know, exhilarating because we were in this amazing, amazing new place and we're having all of these incredible experiences together, which was quite different to how we traveled in the past. And Having survived the trip, the couple decided to move in together in Cape Town after Ati got a job to lecture at UCT. But living together created a lot of conflict between the two, and going for therapy came up as a possible option. Living together, I mean, it just made it clear to both of us that we were very different, and that that is about, like, our upbringing, that is about our worldview that's about where we come from, what we do. You know, it's just about being very, very different people um, who love each other and want to be together, but just don't know how to do what we needed to do in order for that to work, I think. Um, We didn't know what to say when we needed to say it or how to say it or we thought we were communicating but we weren't doing so effectively. A lot of small things would become huge existential things like deal breakers and, you know, thinking about exit strategies or whatever from the relationship. And I didn't want that. And couples therapy couldn't be that bad. It couldn't be as bad as the prospect of not being together anymore. And it became apparent, at least to me, that we needed help. Um, at first, I thought that meant 
you know, one of us needed to go to therapy. But the more I thought about it, we both needed to go to therapy, um, whether alone or together. I didn't know anything about therapy, of course, except that, you know, some people needed it. And it was helpful for some people. I'd never thought I, I was one of those people. It just, it never occurred to me. It didn't seem like the way that I get around or find aid or help. But I thought, you know, I've never been here before. Our relationship is growing, is getting more serious, and we might need things we don't have. And therapy was one of them. When you say that in your mind you thought one of you needed therapy, by that you mean who exactly? I mean Zoe. <laughs> I thought as much. <laughs> so diplomatic, but see Because I had thought about it before. I had thought, you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of people I know go to therapy. And a lot of those people, I thought, were more like emotional or more sensitive than I am. Now, at the time, because, you know, I'm low-key a blamer, I didn't think that I was the one who needed to mature emotionally. I just thought I could handle my feelings, I could manage my feelings, I can rationalize myself in and out of situations. It must be Zoe. She's emotional and therapy is good for emotional people. <laughs> that was my <laughs> equation. Zoe, in your mind, what was happening in the build-up to you guys deciding to go for therapy? I think very much to echo, Ati, yeah, the, the way we were communicating. I mean, we were communicating a lot, but not very effectively. That We weren't really hearing each other um, properly, I don't think. In terms of actually what was happening, we kept on, I mean, we were arguing a lot. And these, for me anyway, very small things became these kind of existential crises and and yeah and I couldn't I couldn't see a way out I couldn't see how we could move forward because if it just seemed to be so often happening where we reached this point which was for me anyway a point of complete inaccessibility I couldn't access or understand at the end I didn't know where to go from there. And I kind of felt a bit paralyzed and scared. And yeah, and I think just needing help. And and then there's also, I think for me, one of the things was that to link back to what I was saying before about this kind of a structural view on and sort of looking at my position as a white person in the world and feeding that into the power dynamics of the relationship I was quite resistant to hearing that, I guess. And not that I doubted it, but I, it was just difficult to hear. And I felt that potentially having a second opinion almost on that, or a third party to allow me to hear that better and to understand that better was going to be a really useful step 
in trying to understand each other better. Once they decided that they needed an external intervention, the next step was to find a therapist. And between googling and asking friends for recommendations, they found a therapist at a non-profit organization because that option was the most affordable for them. The first session didn't go so well. I got annoyed to begin with because they were late. They were running, I think it was about 15 minutes late. So I was kind of, I was thinking, you know, will we get our money's worth and blah, blah, blah. So I was being a bit breathy. And then we sat down and she was just really overly nice. You know, when somebody's trying a little too hard and I was questioning whether that was to kind of mask an uncomfortability with the same sex thing or the race thing or that was just her manner but either way I found it quite disingenuous and it made me wonder if I could you know, be open in that space. I also found she she did this thing where she asked questions in a very formulaic way and and wrote down everything sort of verbatim as we were saying it rather than just listening to even the structure of what we're saying and, and generally the content, it felt that she was making these incredibly detailed notes but not actually being present with us. Um, so, yeah, the first session I was not impressed with and was reluctant to go back, but I also felt that it was something that we said we'd commit to and wanted to kind of give it a, a second chance. And for you, Ati? I remember walking into the room, getting very um, primary school, you know, Model C, HOD, principal office vibes. And then, <laughs> and then when the therapist did walk in, she gave me very, you know, white all-girls school teacher vibes. And right there, I, you know, kind of was taken to another place. And then Zoe um, openly demonstrated her dissatisfaction with the lateness and paying by the hour for every minute of the hour. (laughs) It was ox for me. But I thought, you know, I'd... I kind of prepared myself to be uncomfortable. I just didn't know where that was going to take me. So I I pushed on and I tried to do all of the things that I'd learned on TV you had to do in therapy, which was to speak openly, tell the truth, because yeah, therapists can can figure out when you're when you're not being open and honest. So I I really attempted that, but it was very awkward. And we were sitting in two separate chairs. And so the kind of support that I had anticipated I would have on a couch, you know, I watch a lot of TV on a couch, holding hands, you know, having that presence of support was all just not there. And I was very uncomfortable. It was awkward, but I... I'd made up my mind to do it. I found, interestingly, I found sitting in separate chairs quite useful because it removed me from um, feeling like I had to 
uh, respond in the right way and and be mm. exactly what Adi needed for uh, that moment. And it just made me just slightly step back and listen to her and see her outside of myself, if that makes sense. Like that I wasn't involved in that moment with her. And this formulaic way of you know asking me a question, or asking Ati a question, and then asking me to explain, to repeat back to her what was said, I found really useful both ways. It was really wonderful having something repeat back to you that you've just said and really see that somebody understands that. And for me, again, just having that space to listen and not respond and just repeat back what I heard rather than respond just made me slow down a little bit and hear rather than react often negatively to something. So I did find it useful, but I just found her not the one. She wasn't going to be the one to be able to unpack some of the more kind of deeper stuff that we were and are faced with, which is a lot around race, identity and and power, really. For me, um, things began to get easier, yeah. Um, And I think it had to do with um, displacing, I guess, my expectations. Because the second time I came in without those expectations um, of couples therapy, but also even the first session I found quite useful because because we could talk about that. You know, what we found was difficult, what was awkward, um, but also talking about what happened in the therapy session, which was itself, I think, fundamentally useful for people who thought that they already knew each other, getting to know each other in that particular way. Um, so I think it got better and better. But I think we realized, like Zoe was saying, we would we would need more. And the place that we had gone, I guess, was dealing quite generically, not in a, not in a negative way. I think it's still very useful to have accessible family therapy. But I thought we would need, and we agreed that we also needed to delve into our own therapy, which we had concurrently been doing. So Zoe was in a was having therapy by herself, I was having therapy by myself, and then we're having couples therapy. (laughs) And so we thought we needed to, I guess, go deeper in our own journeys. How were your individual therapy sessions contributing, if at all, to the couples therapy that you were having? For me, it's very overlapping issues. So a lot of, you know, obviously my own stuff is what causes or feeds into issues between us. So having the space to work through something alone and then bring that into a conversation, I think it allowed me in a kind of couples therapy conversation to be a little bit more cognizant of myself in that and open to, I think it kind of, um, what's the word, it primes you almost for that level of conversation and that level of honesty and openness. Because I'd had 
think it was about six weeks of therapy prior to couples therapy, and then I stopped. So that six weeks kind of prepped me to be able to approach that conversation in a very open way, which I don't know if I would have done if I hadn't had that um, previous experience of therapy alone. And for you, Ati? Oh, man. I think my my personal therapist kind of blew everything open. I hadn't been going as frequently, but I sort of just found like the perfect person, not because they are themselves as a package, a perfect person, but they were able to create an environment where I just felt completely at ease. And so a lot of things that were happening in the couples therapy were feeding off each other, I think. And I was getting perspective on my own behavior and my feelings about things, which I often wouldn't let out or let become feelings because I'm very much at a like thought place or at least more aware of my thoughts and rationalizing situations and, you know, thinking, but I often don't let those thoughts become feelings or think about those thoughts as feelings. And my private therapy enabled me to read my own feelings better and thereby understand how I do then behave or don't behave, which can be damaging in a relationship. Like if you're withholding, if you're not if you're not opening up, if you're not expressing yourself, it can be very frustrating, not just for you, but for the other person. And all of this stuff was coming out in my own therapy sessions, and it was giving me perspective and also a lot more patience for the couple's therapy because it allowed me to focus on me and not so much the therapist or Zoe or how therapy should be going. So how did you guys let your therapist know that you no longer needed her services? Um, So we essentially just ghosted her um, because we didn't really feel much of a bond with her. Um, There wasn't really a connection. It was more felt that we were just another couple or another person going through what she had to do day by day rather than vested interest in our journey. So it didn't feel too bad just to kind of not contact her again. You've both said that you uh, value the process and still feel that you may need a therapist that sees the both of you. What will you be looking out for going forward when you search for somebody? For me, definitely like no elderly white women because I recognize that I have a, a relationship which with them that isn't great. Like I was very young when I went to a all girls white school and all my teachers were middle aged to elderly white women and I have a tense relationship with them. It just can't be. It can't be them. Yeah, I concur, definitely. Like a young a younger person. Um yeah with potentially with experience or just like a general sense that they get queerness and understand that a little bit 
And then I think from my side, I'd, I'd quite like uh, a black therapist for our couples therapy because I think if the power's going to be off and there's going to be bias in any way, it should be on Attie's side because I think I have enough. Must be nice. <laughs> um, no, but I think it would be, yeah, for me, I just think this whole understanding of it will be heightened by that. Not to say a white person can't get on board with it. I just, the therapists I've had, and particularly white therapists in Cape Town, of quite particular ilk, I think, a lot of them. Um, so I don't know if they'll be able to get it. Just a humanness, a genuine like, interest in yeah. people that I felt was missing. <laughs> Somebody who was comfortable with you know us being in the room, I, don't, I guess who could who could uh, I don't know who could feel comfortable. I, that's I don't know. That's a thing for me, but also I realize that I can't always be comfortable, and so I guess in that process of elimination, it wouldn't be an elderly white woman, and it would be dope if it could be a black person. Um, but other than that, I really don't know. Having spoken to a number of therapists and people who are in consultation. I've come to learn that it's very common for some relationships with therapists not to work out. The advice is to just keep searching until you find the perfect fit. I'm still very committed to having a therapist like, that we go to as a couple because I think it, it's a really, really beneficial and freeing process. Sometimes the darkness Sits on my chest Making it harder To tell east from west And breathe Thank you so much to my guests Atinangam Songopo and Zoe Mann for sharing their story with me. Dinika Naidu is the co-content producer of the podcast and Spamanda Yende is the engineer. If you have feedback that you'd like to share, send an email to intherapy at kifm.co.za. For regular updates on the episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Ngabamanzi or find me on Facebook. The theme song that we're playing out with is by Zasha. It's called Breathe from her album Therapy.